Good morning, North Park. Welcome to all who are in the room, who are joining us online. I know we're a couple minutes late this morning, but we're here. Let's stand. Let's get ready to serve and sing to our king.
captive and break every chain, oh God, you have done somebody next to you, behind you, in front of you, and just tell them that, that you are glad that they are here. Thank you for joining us this morning. Boy, you're alive and well this morning. <laughs> Look what the heat brings out. Crazy things. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming this morning. Welcome to North Park Community Church here in person and online. If you're here in person, it's your first time. We have a special gift for you out at the welcome cart. We'd love for you to stop by and pick that up. Also, uh, as you walked in the door this morning, you uh, should have received a bulletin, and that bulletin is a lot of great information. If you're online, it's all filed in there as well at northparkchurch.org. You can um, see the details of, of what's going on here at uh, North Park as well there. But uh, I'd like to highlight a couple things this morning. First, we're having communion. As you walked in the door, uh, elements were there to pick up. If you haven't done so, make sure you make yourself available to do so. Uh, we have a couple songs before we get in the teaching time. Also, if you're at home, please uh, make sure you gather those elements so you have them ready for when we do communion. Uh, might be helpful for you. Also, last week was our first uh, midweek service here at uh, or study of John, the Gospel of John. We'd love for you to come out and join us. It was a great study last week, uh, and there's room for more. So it'll go for the next 10 more weeks after this one. So it's 11 more weeks in, in length from here on out. Uh, again, so it's not too late to jump into that. Also, men, if you've procrastinated this long... Uh, you've done a great job, but tomorrow is actually the final knockdown date. It's time to sign up for the one-day men's retreat that is taking place here next Saturday, September 10th. Um, the speaker will be JR, Pastor J.R. Coleman. Uh, he's guaranteed to, uh, to challenge you, but uh, also make you in, be engaged and laugh as well. Uh, he'll be bringing us the word. So uh, today, you can sign up on the, at the table in the courtyard, or you can go online and do that as well. Uh, just register, and I believe the cost is $40 for the day, and that basically just covers the food. Um, so we'll be eating good, guys. Also, women, I know you don't like to procrastinate because I'm the wife I'm married to doesn't like to procrastinate. It makes me have everything done early. Um, you can sign up for the women's retreat coming up in October, and they have sign-ups for those in the courtyard today. Also, you can do that online as well. It's limited space available, so make sure you, uh, you do that and don't procrastinate like uh, some, some males do in the relationships. <laughs> Nobody can relate to that. I, can, I can't believe it. 
I'm sorry I'm the only one in the world. Um, will you all stand with me this morning? Let's, uh, let's give the word, the prayer to, the, to our time together and uh, prepare to worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that we can come to you. And you call us friend. And thank you for being our friend in, in good and bad. And we ask right now that you would just allow us to lift up your name and give you praise for it. We thank you, Lord, in your precious and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
to move in our minds. Dear Heavenly Father, to change us from the inside out. Lord, may we walk away from this room today not the same. Lord, may we walk away from this room in such a way that we are contagious to those who are around us. Lord, may we show you to everyone that we meet. We thank you for what you are doing and what you are about to do. And Lord, we thank you for your word that is going to be preached in just a moment. May it be just a blessing to you. In your name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Whether you are here in the building or watching online, welcome to North Park Community Church. I uh, read something this week that has absolutely... Nothing to do with my sermon this morning, but in some ways it has everything to do with my sermon. And I want to I want to share it with you. First of all, let me ask you this: How many of you have complained about the heat this week? How many of you think it just almost makes life unbearable? 
Uh, somebody sent me a text yesterday. Said PG&E says there could be blackouts. How many of you? How many of if you, if your electricity went off and you had to live without air conditioning and without your computer and without your television and without everything for the next couple of days? How many of you think that would almost be the end of the world? Seems that way for us. I mean, we, we, get, we get shook up by things. We get bothered by things. We get upset by things so easily. But I read this. Uh, Marina Noyles, who is a pastor's wife in Ukraine, explained how her family dealt with the hardships that fell on their nation earlier this year. Think about a country at war. People's homes have been destroyed. Relatives, loved ones have been have been killed, women raped on the streets. Anything you can imagine going wrong was going wrong. And they asked this pastor's wife how they dealt with it. She said this, when trouble comes, we cry. When it gets bad, we pray. And when it becomes unbearable, we sing. When it becomes unbearable, we sing. I think we learned two great Two great lessons from this quote from this uh, pastor's wife. Number one, it's a great lesson in perspective. What do we have to complain about? Think about it. We are not in in, in most of our neighborhoods. We're not in danger on the street. Um, We still, we can send our kids to school. We can go to work. We can come to church. We have air conditioning. This is probably the coolest place in town right now. Um, we, we have all these advantages, yet we complain. And I've said this so many times, but maybe I say it because I need to remember it so often. If you live at the poverty line in the United States of America, you are among the 10% richest people in the world. That's how blessed, that's how fortunate we are. That's one reason I love for, for, for people, adults and teenagers alike, to go on, on uh, foreign missions trips to a third world country. Is it really changes your perspective when you see the sights and you smell the smells and you hear the stories about how other people live. Another great lesson we learn in this is in how to deal with difficulties and especially unexpected hardships. Let me read what she said again. When trouble comes, we cry. You know, I believe God gave us emotions and he gave us emotions partly to help us to cope with things. So when it gets hard, we, we, when trouble comes, we cry, we express our emotions. When it gets bad, we pray. And when it becomes unbearable, we sing. Worship has a way of transporting us to another level, to transporting us to another plane, to bringing our thoughts and our perspective and our emotions back into balance when they're centered centered more on God. So I wanna give all of us a challenge this week, especially when you go out and you get in your car that was parked in the sun and you start up and you can't even touch the steering wheel or anything because it'll burn your flesh. When we reach those times this week when things seem to be extra difficult, when things seem to be hard, I wanna challenge you to do this. Begin to worship. Begin to praise God 
and it shifts our perspective to a heavenly perspective. Well, today we want to continue in our series we just started last week called Living Your Best Life Now. It's a series on the Gospel of John. We scratch the surface on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday nights, we have a deeper teaching. There's dinners, was said. There's something for everybody of every age. Um, we had a great crowd here this past Wednesday. It's not too late to come. Um, you are welcome to come. We encourage you to come. We're doing it a little bit different this year, this time, and it was really cool. There's a movie that's based on the Gospel of John. And it's really quality, and we're showing a movie clip at the beginning of each night to start to set up the teaching time with Jim Rossi, and then, of course, we have table discussions afterwards. Last week, the clip was 20 min 19 minutes, which is a long one. There's not many that long. I think this next week's about two minutes, but by the time uh, we're, we're done, with this 12-week series, we will have watched that entire movie on the Gospel of John and then had teaching to back that up. It's a powerful, powerful way of doing this. But today we want to talk about one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, one of everybody's favorite scriptures in the Bible, and that is John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. It reads like this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who did evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing. They are doing what God wants. Jesus, thank you for your words, your powerful words. And I pray that they will become alive in each one of our lives today. In your name we pray, amen. The unimaginable love of God. We cannot even begin to imagine how much God loves us. We can't even begin to imagine what all that means. It is a mystery, it is an adventure, it is such an exciting thing. It's through our entire lives we begin to discover more and more and more of his unimaginable love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love this, verse 17. He did not come into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but he came into the world to save the world, to rescue us from sin, to rescue us from ourselves, to rescue us from eternal punishment. So what do these verses tell us? They tell us, first of all, that God Almighty gave his son. 
Now we know that Jesus, his son, was the father, but he gave himself, he gave of himself uh, uh, by taking on mortality, stripping himself of immortality, giving up constant praise for constant ridicule, giving up indescribable riches to be born in a stable and to live a very simple life. God gave himself to us. He went so far as to strip being God or strip uh, uh, immortality off of himself and becoming a human being like you and I. That's love right there. People, I'll, I'll talk to people a lot and we'll talk around Easter time about how incredibly loving this act of God was that he died on a cross for our sins. And it really is. Think of that. Jesus loved us so much, he gave himself to be tortured, to be abandoned, to be ridiculed, to be beaten. He was tortured almost to the end of, end of his life. That is amazing love that he gave himself to do that. He died a long, slow, agonizing death on the cross. Why? Because he loves us so much. But let's go back to the first part of the story. I think it's probably equal. We could debate this. It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? But let's think, what's greater, that Jesus would do all this stuff for us or that he in the very beginning would strip off immortality and come and be a human being like you and I? That is such a, such a great act of love. He came to give his life for us. He came to give us salvation as opposed to the judgment we deserve. When we say he gave us salvation, he gave us forgiveness of sin, he rescued us from the punishment that we deserved, and he took all that punishment on, on himself. And the cool thing is, is when he saves us, when he forgives us, or when we accept that forgiveness, God doesn't uh, um, hold things against us. God doesn't remember. He forgives and forgets what we have done. How many of you know that we human beings, we have a tendency, we can say we forgive someone, we can believe we forgive someone, but then when things get difficulty, we have a tendency to hold that thing against the person we've forgiven. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, God's not like that. God does not hold the things that we've done against us, no matter how horrible they are. He saved Saul, changed his name to Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul was out there. His whole purpose in life was to find Christians and to persecute Christians and to punish Christians and to kill Christians and to end Christianity. And he has an experience with Jesus and Jesus saves him. He rescues him and he doesn't hold anything against them. He uses him more than perhaps he's used any other human being in the history of the world. He gives us eternal life. That's unimaginable love. I heard a preacher on the television say something today that was pretty, pretty interesting. He says, probably most Christians, although they say they want to go to heaven, although one reason they accept Christ is because they'll go to heaven and not, and not go to hell. If it comes right down to it, they really don't, they're really not sure if they want to go to heaven because they don't understand it. They don't know what it's gonna be like. 
It's a mystery to them. And what do we know about Americans? We all like to be in control of our environment, in control of things. We want to know what's going to come ahead. My wife and I are planning a vacation um, for this next year. And it's a, a, a pretty big one. And, and what we do is we look ahead at the itinerary for the, for, for the trip. We look to see where we're going to be. And we'll begin to plan ahead right now. We'll begin to try to understand where we're going to be, what's going to be going on, what there is to do. Why? Because we like to know. You know, no matter how great you think heaven's going to be, number one, it's going to be a whole lot better than you think. We can't even imagine how great it's going to be. And number two, you can't tell us exactly what we're going to do there, what it's going to be like, what it's going to look like. But we just know it's going to be awesome. And we are going to experience that because of the unimaginable love of God. But then in this scripture, it talks about that pesky thing that we call judgment. How does that judgment thing really work? Well, listen to this from verses 18 to 20 again, 21. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. Listen, God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light uh, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Basically, what this scripture tells us is this. Judgment is a choice. Whether we're going to be judged or not, it is a choice. It's predicated on where our genuine affections fall. You hear what he said? That he came into the world, world, but the, the world refused to acknowledge him as the light because they loved darkness more than they loved the light. In other words, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like there's an, an, an invisible line right here. And if you come over on this side, you're living in the love and you're living in the light and you're living for Christ. But if you come over to this side, you're living in the darkness and you're separated from Christ. And I believe that a lot of us Christians are really, really miserable because we're trying to do this. We're trying to keep one foot in the light we want that, you know, we want that get-out-of-jail-free card, get-out-of-hell-free card. You know, we want to know that we're going to go to heaven. We want to know that, that, that we're in God's favor. But on the other, time, the other side, there's stuff in this world that we love. And it's hard for us to get rid of those things. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he addressed that problem this way. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. What's that mean, your treasures? Does it mean our money? Yes, it means our money. But it means our time. It means our talent. It means those things that we love 
the most, those things that we enjoy the most. And I think if we just look at this scripture, it's so true. Whatever it is that we invest the most in, those things that we invest in are the things that are, that, that are going to have our affections. They're the things we're gonna be trapped, attracted to. When, when my son was little, we took him to, to sign up for T-ball. Um, I wish I'd have taken videos of that, but, but uh, anyway, we took him to sign up for T-ball, and my daughter, who's about five years older, they were having sign-ups for softball. Girl softball was not on my radar. Yeah, back in, back in those days, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not saying this to be offensive to anybody. It was the way I was raised, part of the country I was raised in, maybe. I don't know, but boys played sports. Girls took home economics, or they were cheerleaders, or whatever it was. So we go, and my daughter wants to sign up for softball. So we say, well, sure, Ryan, why not? She goes out to our first practice. She's never played. She was, people are like, wow, where did this kid come from? She was just a natural. She played all the way through college. And we spent, <laughs> we spent on her travel softball and lessons and just travel all of it on her. We spent money like we were the federal government. There were no restraints. We just, we just, we just did it. Let me, let me, let me tell you this right here. If you have kids or grandkids in travel sports, it's just coming from somebody who's lived all this. I've seen it. I've seen it lived out. Unless it is obvious that your child or grandchild is far, far above in talent than any of these other children, unless it's obvious that that's what they want to do more than anything else in life, I'm going to challenge you to step back, count the cost, look at how much money you would spend on travel and on hotels and on lessons and on getting into games and everything, everything else. And I guarantee you, if you're honest with yourself about what you'll spend, if you didn't have your child play and you saved all that money every month, you could send your child to any university in this nation that you wanted to. It's just, that's, that's, that's just the truth. But we went through all this in our life, and I got to the place where, man, this girl's softball stuff, that, that stuff became important to me. That stuff mattered. Why did it matter? Why did it matter that I got to go on a weekend and instead of staying home and enjoying life, I got to drive to Bakersfield and sit out at a hot softball stadium in the dust and the heat and sweat and the sunburn and watch these girls play softball. Let me tell you this. People said we'd miss it when it was over. Not a single minute, you know, but... But at the time, it mattered. Why did it matter so much? It mattered because we were making investments of time. We were making investments of money. We were making investments in our daughter. It's because all the effort that went into this made it important to us. Now, all that to say, I think what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture is we can shape we can choose where our affections are by what we invest in. If we'll invest in those things that matter to God, if we're gonna invest in those things that impact 
somebody's life. If we're going to make investments in things that will cause us and our family to grow spiritually, friends, that matters. If we're going to invest in something that's going to bring temporary pleasure, or we're going to invest in something that's really going to destroy us rather than help us spiritually, we better be careful about where our affections are. Um, How many of you remember Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan, back in the 70s, he had an experience with Christ and gave his, gave his life to Christ. And it was a very traumatic thing for him. And after that, in 1979, he released a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. And I thought the lyrics of the song were so interesting because this was a man who had lived by himself or for himself. He was a man who had made investments in things that, that, that displeased God. He was a man that threw some of the lyrics of his songs and things he said and the way he lived had driven some people away from Christ. When he came to Christ, he made this admission. This is the chorus of that song. It says, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. John put it this way, and this judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. The light, the Holy Spirit, doesn't bring confusion. He doesn't bring judgment. He doesn't bring a a rejection of God into our lives. But the light brings forgiveness. The light brings freedom from guilt. The light brings peace. The light brings love. The light brings joy. The light brings hope. And we could go on and on and on. My challenge for us today is that we will contemplate where our affections lie. And if there's any uh, adjustments we need to make in our life, that we'll begin to make investments in those things that will cause our affections to line up with the Lord's will for our life. Now, if you've accepted Christ in your life, you don't, you don't have to worry. I mean, you know, he's, he, he's not up there watching you. He's not a cosmic killjoy in the sky with a big thumb that's gonna say, oh, George there, he just blew it. That's not, that's not how he works. He understands, he's loving. But when we do those things, we don't end our relationship with God, but we can damage our relationship with God. It's like God's flow of his spirit in his presence to us, it's like a garden hose. When a garden hose runs smooth, as long as it's all stretched out, but what happens when you put a kink in it? It gets clogged up. The water's still there. The pressure's still there. It's like it was before, but we are just limiting the flow. It's allowed to get through that hose. Friends, where are our affections today? 
For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It says God did not come into the world to judge the world. He's not a cosmic killjoy. But he came to save the world. He came to save you and I. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to thank you for your love, this unimaginable love in coming to earth to bail us out. Lord, we put our affections in the wrong place. We have tried to serve many of us, you and uh, the things of this world, and it's just been confusing for us. But I pray, Lord, that as we celebrate your communion, your Lord's Supper today, that you will speak clearly into our lives about where our affections lie. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you came in, you got a little cup. It has two bottoms to it, the little bottom. Um, if you pay, face that up, there's a cracker in there. That cracker in there represents the bread of communion or the body of Christ. The Bible tells us, and we talk about this a lot around here, the Bible tells us that by his stripes or by his broken body, we are healed. This little cracker here this morning represents to us the broken body of Christ. It represents to us that Jesus loved us so much that he, he, he went through cruel beatings and abandonment, crown of thorn on his head, scourging with a whip. He was literally beaten within moments of death. And he did that as a promise to you and I that when we're hurting in our bodies, when we're feeling the effects of being abandoned, when we have doubts spiritually, when everything in our world seems to be going wrong, this is a reminder of by his stripes we are healed. It's a reminder to us that sometimes on those rare occasions, and I love these, God just bails us out completely. I love those stories about somebody who's an addict and they come to Christ they no longer want whatever substance it was they were taking. I love the stories, and they've been uh, thrilled, honored to be a part of some of these stories where somebody's on their deathbed, and they're prayed for, and they're totally healed, and they're restored to normal. I love those stories where a marriage has been totally decimated, and it's fallen apart, and see God bring those marriages back together. I love those instantaneous miracles, and they can and they do still happen. But usually Jesus comes in in those times and gives us the faith. He gives us the love. He gives us the compassion. He gives us the power. He gives us the ability to make it through those things and to come out winners, to come out, out victorious on the other side. And before we eat this, the body of Christ today, I want to give you an opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of us, probably most of us, brought something into this room today that we need Jesus' help with. We need him to heal it. We need him to fix it. We need him to give us the strength to endure, the faith to endure, we need to allow him to work in our life so that, so that we can be a part of the solution and not the problem. 
You know what it is going on in your life. But if you have something like that in your life today that you'd like to receive prayer for, I just want you to stand to your feet. Jesus, you see us standing here. And by standing here, we're saying we need your help. We believe you were telling the truth when you said that for by my stripes, you are healed. We believe, Jesus, that you didn't endure the suffering that you did for nothing, but we believe that it was a reminder to us that you're there for us. It's a reminder to us, Jesus, you've got our backs. You're on our side. And Lord, we need your help today. And I pray for whatever the need that's represented by somebody standing here today, whatever the hurt is, whatever the sickness is, whatever it is, God, we ask you to intervene. And I just pray your healing, your hope, your help, and your strength into each and every one of these folks. In Jesus' name. The Bible says that Jesus gathered his disciples together and he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me until I return. So remembering Jesus, let's eat together. The juice or the wine in this cup is a reminder of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus loved us so much that he gave his very life's blood as a sacrifice for our sins so that we might be forgiven of our sins so that we wouldn't have to play experience judgment but so that we could have access into God's forever heaven with him and with our Heavenly Father, and with the Holy Spirit. We are so grateful for all that he's done for us. But I just can't help but wonder, if there's anybody here today who would say, Bob, I need to accept the forgiveness that Jesus provided for me on a cross. I recognize that my affections are messed up. I realize that I am a sinner but today, I want to turn from those sins. I want to turn to God, and I want to be adopted into his forever family. If that's you. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. At home, even if you're there by yourself, just raise your hand. Lord, I just thank you that we can come to you. And today, Lord, we acknowledge that we are sinners we acknowledge we need forgiveness. We acknowledge that we need to return, that we need to turn from those sins. But Lord, we recognize that when we turn from those, we need to turn to you, because you're the only one that can see us through. In Jesus' name, Bible goes on to say that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup. He said, "This cup is the new covenant or the new testament of my blood." Drink this in remembrance of me until I return. So remembering Jesus, let's drink together.
Lord, we are so incredibly grateful, so grateful that you came to earth so that you could live a simple life, so that you could die a horrible death, so that our sins could be forgiven. We thank you for your amazing love. And we pray today that beginning today and throughout this week, that your love will compel us to shape our affections by making investments in you and the things that matter to you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Make it a great week for us. Give us a great holiday tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll see y'all later. Thanks for being here. Thank you.